so good afternoon or good evening wherever you are in the world. Uh, Talent Finders would like to welcome renowned inspirational public speaker, award-winning cider maker and home brewer, uh, digital content creator um, and known as Brew Babe, um, Michelle uh, Pango. Sorry, uh, how do I pronounce your surname? Pagano, Michelle Pagano. Thank you. <laughs> um, so welcome, Michelle. Um, so firstly, um, I'd like to congratulate you on all your achievements. Can you share with us how your entrepreneurial journey uh, began um, with home brewing? Yeah, sure, totally. Um, so I have a background in public relations and communications, um, and that's been my passion since as long as I can remember, um, professionally, you know. But I had started home brewing when I was 21. Um, and I initially did not like beer. Um, there weren't a whole lot of choices around back in 2008, 2007. Um, but I went on a journey. I said, you know what? I'm going to learn a little bit about beer. I'm going to see if there's maybe a style I might like. Um, and I'm going to write a blog. And so I started a blog called Beer Magazine. It was uh, spelled B-I-E-R. Oh, wow. And, yeah, Beer Magazine. And I just documented like all of my travels, uh, any breweries I visited. There were only literally a handful uh, in like on Long Island in New York that uh, I was able to get to. Um, and then I started going out of state and, you know, I planned trips around these breweries. Um, and so I but it wasn't until I went to a beer festival um, when I met a group of men who were home brewing. They had like about five or six taps out of like a jockey box. It's like a, like a igloo cooler kind of thing. And uh, I tried some of these beers and I was amazed. They were making them out of their basement and their you know, backyard, their garage. And I joined the group. Um, and so I started getting more involved with home brewing. Um, I bought a Mr. Beer kit, which is like super old, um, and had plastic bottles and everything and extract, uh, you know, ingredients. And so I started doing that and I uh, started a meetup group and connected with folks uh, once a month. Um, but then I got sick with a gluten allergy a few years uh, into it. And so I pressed the brakes. I said, you know what, I can't drink beer anymore. Little yeah. did I know there's gluten-free beer out there. Um, and so I started making cider. And same thing, hated cider, didn't like it, didn't understand it, realized there's other styles out there. So I started making cider uh, on the drier side. I added hops to my cider. I did botanical ciders. And uh, started a new blog called The Outcast because I was an outcast to the beer industry. And I Amazing. Spoke about, yeah, I spoke about gluten-free beer and I started home brewing and again, joined the clubs again. Uh, I started my Instagram account, The Brew Babe, uh, just documenting my journeys and connecting with folks that want to learn more about the gluten-free industry, whether it's beer, kombucha, cider, you know, you name it, you know, hard seltzers now. Um, and so that's basically, you know, where I am today. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I actually, I really like your Instagram because it's, it's also, it's very classy. It's not, you know, because there are some, <laughs> some accounts which are questionable. So I think that it's, it's really nice that you, you know, you've got a very personal touch on, you know, especially on your social media. So well done for that. Thank you. I, I say, uh, you know, you know, there's that saying, dress for the job you want, right? Just for yeah. 
the branding is very important to me. I've, like I said, I have a background in public relations and marketing. At first I threw up that, you know, that count. I just put it together because I wanted to connect with people. And then it wasn't until um, I got a ton of exposure. I think it was like a couple months into it. I was on, you know, this is back in 2015, 2014. I, got, I was on radio shows and, you know, local press because it was just something, first off, uh, not a whole lot of women were involved in this, but also, you know, she's got an allergy. Like my slogan is I'm allergic to beer and can't stay away. So, you know, I played on that a lot. And then, um, you know, there is a lot of, you know, there's my feminine size, feminine side on my page, but, you know, I do want people to respect me and, you know, and, uh, value what I have to say. And I believe that has a lot to do with, you know, really recognizing what brand and what message you want to send out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you've you've succeeded across several media sectors, including print and online editorial. So how do you believe um, this has helped you? And what, um, you know, as far as um, today from digital content perspective, so what do you feel, um, do you feel that, that, that having been on both platforms or both uh, medias, that it's helped you in terms of your digital content as well. Absolutely. So um, uh, many folks, they find this surprising, but uh, you know, I get stage fright, terrified going on camera, whether it's photography or videography. But I have to say, having to have done it for the last you know, 10 plus years, it makes it a lot easier. So that's the first step, right? So I've worked yeah. even in college on radio, you know, on t you know, TV sets and whatnot, but that's definitely helped me. Um, public relations wise, you know, writing those press releases, really honing down and understanding the branding. I've worked in, I worked for the Catholic church and then I worked in the video game industry, you know, and then I've worked in nonprofits, several nonprofits. And then, you know, I had a little PR company on the side that I, you know, I branded restaurants and hair salons and daycares and schools and I really, it really helped me to understand, um, working with different industries and, understanding what messages they want to send across and you know it really got me thinking what message I want to send across and how I can do it so I think as far as uh you know public speaking you know and press writing that helped me with different you know um industries but also being on camera and radio and um that's helped me a lot I've also maintained quite a few social media accounts including in the beer industry so um you know I'm very careful as to Again, messaging, right? What I send out. So I think those three really helped me push to where I am today with digital content management and creation. Yeah, I know that's amazing. So what would you say some of your biggest career lessons and learnings have been? Uh, so let's say biggest career lessons. Well, uh, first things first, not everything um, pans out to the way you want. Sometimes you send a message out uh, or you plan an event and it's a flop, you know, and that's always a learning experience. Um, you know, you analyze the planning behind it, the analytics behind it, you know, what could we've done better for next time? So okay. I think um, that's a big lesson. Um, also, it's not so much now I have this issue, but in the beginning, I would have, um, I would get too attached to a project or it would be personal so personal that a lot of companies thought maybe like it was my company or my family owned company, which isn't a bad thing, but you know, it's, it's important to leave, you know, your emotions out the door and really focus on what you need to do to get it done. So 
that's another, uh, that's another lesson I've learned, uh, you know, and not taking things personal. You know, there are people that may like my page. There are people that may not like my page and mm -hmm. you have to really just, again, keep focusing on what you're doing. And that's just white noise in the back. And there are going to be people that are, you know, hoping you fail. So, uh, yeah. that's another lesson I've learned. Big lesson. Amazing. So when and what led you to go from the world of media and journalism into becoming a home brewer for, for digital content? Yeah, so I actually, it's quite embarrassing, but I'll tell the story because I should have, I guess, been focusing on work, but I wasn't that day. Um, so I used to work in the video game industry um, yeah. and I was in a meeting. It was a Tuesday meeting. I remember when I had this like aha moment. And I was sitting there, and again, I love doing communications and PR work, but I just sat there just coming out with beer recipes and coming up with blog ideas and, you know, thinking of, like, what festivals are coming up that I can cover instead of really focusing on that meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, it's not something I did often, but I, I, from that moment, I started planning all of my weekends around beer, everything related to beer, okay. workshops, seminars, uh, brewing for competition, seeing if I can volunteer to judge for a competition, you know, getting certified in things. And so uh, I think it was around like 2015, that fall, where I really wanted to uh, pursue it full time. And I don't know how I did it, but I just got up one day and put my two weeks in and I said, I'm going to land on my feet, you know, and no matter where I go, you know, it's, and I'm just gonna, you know, take a leap and I just did it. Yeah, that, and that's, you know, in, in so many ways, I think that's also the exciting aspect of it because, you know, if it's something you're passionate about, you'll just end up going in the direction and it'll be an organic process. So, yeah, well and don't get me, yeah, don't get, don't get me wrong. Like, um, you know, some people are like, well, weren't you afraid? Of course, I was terrified. I had a stable career. I mean, I was, I climbed up that ladder so quickly in my career ladder in my early and mid 20s that, you know, I, you know, I had to say goodbye to that or put a pause on it. But now looking back, it's, you know, I don't think I could have got gotten to where I am today without that corporate media career. I don't yeah. think it would have led me to this. I think Absolutely. it would have been like more difficulties, I think. For sure. So social media has impacted and changed our world at such a rapid rate. With, with an overload um, and oversaturation of information. So how and what do you believe you do differently to sustain and maintain your audience? So I, um, I talk a lot about branding on my page. I get a lot of DMs and um, something I like to just kind of give advice about is your why, right? Like, like you're saying, why would people follow me? Why should they follow you? Um, you know, how do you stand out in an oversaturated market? And that's the most important part, right? It's telling your story. And so yeah. I think at first I didn't understand this. I actually thought to myself, like, why are these people following me? Like, I don't even know why. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I was like, I'm just a girl, like in New York. Like, I don't know. And yeah. I sat down and I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. I understand why they're following me. Um, it's a little odd that I'm allergic to beer, but I still, you know, persevere and try to find other methods and ways to enjoy this, you know, delicious beverage. Uh, so that's the first thing. It's intriguing. It's, you know, why, you know, this is weird, you know, it's interesting. I want to learn more. How is she doing this? So that's the first mm. thing I learned. 
Secondly, you know, I'm a woman in an industry. I don't know the exact numbers, but I believe it's around maybe I think seven to eleven percent of the industry are I think female brewers. Um, you know, there are obviously other um, statistics that go into it, but I think the Brewers Association they announced at CBC uh, the conference they do annually. The oh. numbers are quite low, is my point. So I think that's another thing that draws people in. Uh, and lastly, um, I live what people think is a pretty leisure lifestyle, you know, leisurely lifestyle before COVID. I was traveling a ton, like twice a month, always at festivals, conferences, judges, uh, judging, taking new classes, um, coming up with new recipes, um, you know, reviewing beers and ciders. Uh, now I have a new, uh, campaign called Skate and Sip, where I'm roller skating and then enjoying a beer or cider or, or beverage after. So it's, uh, you know, me trying out tricks and then enjoying a drink while, you know, afterwards. So I think it's just um, a lifestyle that, a fun lifestyle we don't get to see, especially at a time like this. You know, mm. and, you know we're all virtual. We're not like interacting as much. People want something exciting and entertaining to see. Yeah. Um, and so I think those are the reasons why people, you know, you know, that's how I stand out. I think that's why people follow my page. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So leadership is something I obviously want to touch on, um, which is a big subject at the moment, or lack of leadership. So how do you believe your leadership style is different? And what um, are you doing? And how and what do you think needs to improve the current narrative from an entrepreneurial and global perspective? I think um, people think initially a leader obviously leads um stands ahead of the crowd you know paves the road for people but i think um what we're missing is that part of being a leader is your followers right people that want to flock to you and hear from you so in order to get that audience you need to listen you yeah. need to listen to what's being said you know people want to be heard their value and their their voice isn't less significant just because they're not the leader um, that's something that I really try to do. I interact a ton with everyone as long as they're appropriate and you know the messages that I get are you know I try to engage with every single person um, mm -hmm. and try to help them out and listen to them and you know you can so how do you deal so how do you deal with people that are inappropriate towards you uh, whether it's by social media or other platforms? Yeah, so I pick and choose to what needs to be responded to. Uh, not everything is, is warranted a response, you mm -hmm. know, and that's something that you kind of just learn over time. You know, sometimes it's being deleted, or sometimes it's a, it's if if it's a big enough subject that I think needs to be addressed, I'll go mm -hmm. ahead and address it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, keep in mind not everyone's going to agree with you. You know, there of might course. be you might be the un unpopular you know, vote on popular opinion. And it's happened to me before where I've said some things and I still stand behind that not a lot of folks agree with me on. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to show them a different perspective mm. and it just doesn't always play out. But, uh, you know, I pick and choose what needs to be responded to either personally or publicly on my page. Um, something I do advocate for, advocate for is mental health. So there is mental illness and, uh, you know, obviously goes hand in hand being in the alcohol industry. And that's of something course. that nobody wants to talk about. And yeah. I think it's so important that we, how could we not talk about this? And, you know, we need to normalize and keep the conversation open again, listening. Right. So yeah. I've shared this topic several times throughout the last year and even recently, but especially with COVID 
and you know for sure especially because i mean it's starting to really show right i mean i mean you can look at the statistics but you know a lot of folks they're stuck at home sometimes they're in a toxic home there's a lot of alcohol available you know liquor stores in new york were essential Mm. so you know, not, and people don't always make the right decisions. And, you know, you know, a lot of doctor's offices were closed, you know, how people get to their therapist, you know, there's, again, in the alcohol industry, you know, that was just magnified and nobody was talking about it. And I said, you know, we need to talk about this. You know, it may not affect, you know, me or the next person, but maybe the person after that. And this is something that's important. And so, uh, you know, not a lot of people talk about it still, they're still skittish, but I felt like that was something I needed to put on my platform and I have, so. Yeah, no, well, well done, because I think that's very, very relevant, um, especially at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of your biggest career highlights? Ooh, biggest career highlights. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, when I worked for the Catholic Church, I worked for Cardinal, Do- uh, Cardinal Dolan, well, <laughs> and I've worked on numerous um, just like political events, the Al Smith dinner, that was pretty awesome. Um, we usually have, you know, the year of the candidates, they'll have the presidential candidates there. And that was pretty awesome working with like Secret Service. It was pretty cool. Wow. Um, and all that press involved. Oh, man, that was a whole project. Uh, months and months of planning. That was exciting. Uh, another career highlight would be working for uh, the ESRB. It's the yes. uh, Entertainment Software Rating Board. It's in the video game industry. Mm. And we worked with other rating boards across the world to create one synchronized system that with Google Play, we partnered yeah. with Google Play, uh, this Play Store, and uh, just to get all the video games um, having the correct ratings for them. So, you know, what may be, you know, T for teen here might be M for, you know, in Europe or, you know, a different rating. So it was really cool working on that project. It's a worldwide project. Everybody knows, you know, Google Play and, and the ratings. So it's really cool. Uh, and as far as the beer industry, I have to say, um, we had the first gluten-free craft brewers conference last year. Mm. And uh, I was asked to speak at that. And that was pretty like momentous for me because um, I've spoken at many conferences in the past, but this was like the first one. Uh, for gluten-free and we're hoping to get more backing with the Brewers Association so I'll always remember that like I was part of that first year you know so that was pretty cool for me to be part of and also a great experience you know great experience great exposure so amazing (laughs) yeah absolutely Um, Mm-hmm. So you've spent five years sharing educational experiences, cider and beer reviews, and developed over 25K or 25,000 followers. Can you share with us more about this? And where did your passion for cider and beer come from? And what makes uh, what you do different? Yeah, sure. So um, like I mentioned before, I had you know, my passion for homebrewing, and then it was kind of paused, and I went back into it, just trying to connect with folks with gluten-free beer. I only know, you know, one or two places that make gluten-free beer, um, and so I, you know, the passion came from just reevaluating my lifestyle change, um, yeah. and yeah, starting my new blog, uh, starting my new Instagram account. Um, yeah, pretty much it. <laughs> Amazing. So. You're also an inspirational speaker. So can you share with us more about this and what led you to, what, you know, led you into speaking? 
me think about this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my background, I'd have to say in public relations, um, that's just something that has been part of my career. I'm trying to think what was my first speaking occasion. Actually, my first speaking occasion might have been at a homebrew club, like mini workshop. Um, and I thought it was really, um, it's really interesting for me. I love educating. I love, you know, learning, but I also love teaching people new things, right? So yeah. being there and seeing people's eyes light up or smiling, that I feed off that energy. And so from there, um, I had gotten asked for like bigger roles or bigger speaking occasions at, you know, um, homebrew meetings, festivals, uh, competitions, conferences. I've even partnered with uh, quite a few uh, industry businesses. I just did a uh, webcast yesterday, which was pretty awesome. And, you know, I'm trying to see if I can get involved some more uh, in the coming months. You know, right now we're trying to figure out with a lot of these conferences, whether it's like virtual or you know, if they're going to have smaller groups. But um, I think just feeding off of people's energy, you know, I like to learn, I like to teach, and I think that's where it comes from. So um, that leads me still into the into the world of media but um do you still believe um that traditional media has a place because obviously we have the social media and you know there's the, like we mentioned earlier in the conversation about the oversaturation of information um and also i guess because there's so much misinformation as well do you still believe traditional media has a place I think that it'll always have a place, even if it's not a bigger chunk of people. Um, yeah. I found myself during quarantine, um, back in March and April, listening to the radio again. And I consider that traditional media. That's yeah. something I hadn't done forever. Yeah. Um, so I think it depends on the person. It depends on, um, I guess, where we are in the world. Um, you know, as long as it's still a way of connecting people, I think there will always be a place for it. For sure. So that leads me to COVID-19, which has obviously turned our world upside down and inside out. So what um, and how has this impacted you and how have you had to adapt, adapt to these uh, challenging times? So at the start of COVID-19, um, I, um, the cideries working for, obviously that affected breweries and cideries, uh, you know, across mm. the country. Uh, so I stopped working at a cidery in March. Um, and you know, I kind of just sat and I was patient and still just like everybody else trying to see, I actually thought in a month or two that things would be picking back up. Um, and you know, maybe I would be going back to work. That didn't happen. Um, there was a lot of negativity in New York, especially not just, um, you know, being the epicenter at one point, but just other uh, social issues and a lot of disagreements on social media, it, it became pretty toxic environment. So I unplugged for about two months and I had never done that before, but it was super important. I did because I started hiking more and skating again and meditating. And I sat down and I said, okay, Michelle, we're going to launch this page again, but we got to do things differently because your page was mostly about traveling and, you know, 
being with like crowds of people, like I always had crowds of people like all over my stories and, and my posts, you know, festivals and competitions and meetings, you know, hundreds of people everywhere. It's like, we're not going to do that anymore. So what are we going to do? So I thought, you know what, first thing I'm going to do is push education, whether it's from working with uh, individual companies or associations, mm. coming out with more blogs, how to's, maybe come out with some more recipes, um, keep my page fresh. So instead of posting like twice a week, now I was posting four times a week and I was posting about five stories a day. Yes. Uh, creating highlights for different categories, whether it's beer, cider, um, what else do I have up there? Um, trades, I do trades sometimes with folks. Um, so I kept that fresh as well. Um, and then I worked on, um, I just launched a Patreon account to help not just home brewers wanting to dive in and invest a little bit more with uh, the industry, but also work with businesses on branding that lost their marketing department or lost their way. Or like now they're like, I know a couple of places that are launching their business for the first time, you know, here during COVID, still in COVID, you know, what are they going to do? How are they going to start? They can't just sit on empty, you know, space. And so I started that whole page with different tiers to try to see if I can help folks virtually get to where they need to be or want to be. So that's how I shifted myself. And Currently, I'm not working at a brewery or cidery, and it's pretty devastating, but I keep my, you know, head help, held up high and positivity on. You know, it's not always on, but I try my <laughs> best, and, um, you know, it's not constant. It's up and down, you know, just like everybody else is going through something, but I think that's how I stay, um, just kind of stay focused, you know? And yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all you can do, and there's going to be days that are going to be good, and then there are going to be days that are not so great, so I 100%. guess that's what everybody is experiencing. But, I mean, thank goodness for what you're doing in terms of, you know, inspiring people and, you know, educating people and, you know, doing something positive and constructive, so... Yeah, I uh, well, well done. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I think, I owe, like I said, I owe a lot of it to my background in public relations and marketing. Uh, you know, sitting down and branding. I love helping businesses grow. I love, you know, trying to figure out what the story is and see if it fits it. What's being the message that's being sent? Absolutely. So that leads me to, um, you've also been. Uh, part of many associations for cider so how important is this and can you share with us more about uh, this this aspect of the cider business absolutely so um i first went to my first cider con it's a cider conference i want to say like probably three years ago four years ago maybe maybe it was three years ago at first, I just went as the press, right? So I covered it on my social media. I interviewed a couple of cideries. Um, at this point, I was just a cider enthusiast. I was a gluten-free home brewer working at a regular brewery, not a gluten-free brewery, but a regular brewery. And um, I thought to myself, you know, I'm just going to like see what the cider world's about. And it's actually quite different from the beer world in many ways. But uh, they were so welcoming. Not everybody has this big ego. There's only a small group of people that still have that. But um, but they were pretty welcoming. Uh, the executive director, Michelle McGrath for the American Cider Association was super kind and also welcoming. And, you know, she, you know, said anything I need, you know, let me know. I'll help you get to the right place that you want to be. If you want to learn more about cider on a commercial level, level, you know, let me know if I can help in any way, shape or form. And I met a ton of people. A lot of them are actually my closest friends today. And wow. you know, yeah, cider, they just, not just 
industry friends, but actually close friends of mine, cider makers. Um, I have an orchardist that I know, um, a BJCP judge. Uh, she judges like officially certified judge. And so from that first cider con, I uh, became certified. It's a certified cider professional. It's similar to a beer Cicerone server. Um, and then I went to school for um, cider production, cider and powery production, and that was at Cornell Agritech. So I got that certification last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I just like hopped right in. I worked at a cidery, Descendant Cider in Queens mm. um, for a little bit, about six months, I want to say. I helped them as an assistant cider maker and sales and events and it was a great experience for that. So um, I flip-flop. It's hard to be, you know, cider's not quite beer. It's not quite wine. I yeah. kind of like cider and beer. So it's kind of kind of weird to be in both, you know, dipping in both industries. Yeah, but it's also great because it gives you a good insight into both, which I think is really useful for your audience as well. So, um, so what are the three key pieces of advice you would give to others looking to pursue a career insider and and the speaking industry and what is your ultimate vision for yourself and your brand sure wow double question there let's think about this one three key pieces of advice for i guess for pursuing cider making or brewing i would have to say first and foremost don't be afraid so don't be afraid to try new things don't be afraid to be wrong as long as you own up to it don't be afraid to you know, leap into the unknown, you know, don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to ask. There's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, I'm the, businesses always ask like, are you that kind of person that's going to do it? And, you know, and then, you know, mess up or screw up. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I'm the kind of person who's like, if I don't know something hundred percent, I have no problem asking because then I know. So don't be afraid to like speak up and, and take that leap. So that's the first piece of advice. Um, Always, always, always learn, right? We're never done learning. Even if you think you are, you're not. You're not done learning. So that's another piece of advice I have. And the last piece is have fun, right? So I'm pretty optimistic. Life is this big journey, right? We only have one life. Yeah. Make sure what you do is something you love. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, quit your job and, you know, because you hate it and you think that's going to find, you know, your happiness, you know, work towards it but make sure you're happy when you do it. Um, mm. You know, there's ups and downs, but be happy with your choice. So that's, that answers the first advice. Yeah. And, and then yeah. what is your ultimate vision for yourself and your brand? You know, it's, my ultimate vision has changed quite a few times. I mean, when I was 15, before his brand was even invented, like in my head, created in my head, I wanted to work for the New York Times. I wanted to be a hard news journalist, you know, and I did that. I did, you know, newspaper writing and online writing for a while before I got into public relations. I didn't even know what public relations was or that I'd be good at it until I actually went into it. <laughs> I was like, what is this? I never even took a class on this. But people were like, wow, you're great at you know, press writing and communicating and coming up with innovative ideas. I'm like, all right, who knew, you know? Mm. But, um, and so that changed into PR. So, and then from PR, I'm like, I want to be a brewer. You're like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to. I want to sweat at the, the, you know, the, the brewery 12 hour shifts and break yeah. my back, but then put out this great product. I want to do that. And yeah. like, what? So it constantly changes. Ideally, it would be nice to still continue in the cider and beer industry. I want to have maybe a place, you know, maybe it'll be a fermentary where 
many different um, alcoholic beverages are available that everyone can enjoy, right? So okay. I wanted to single regular drinkers or the gluten-free drinkers. I want something that everyone can have. Right. Um, it would be nice to have that, whether it's a cider bar, brewery, cidery, I don't know, you know, but yeah. I would like to continue my brand and, you know, and also include the educational aspect, you know, are we doing tastings? Are we doing workshops? Are we doing, you know, pop speakers once a month, you know? So I think something that would incorporate um, just the educational aspect as well as the actual making of the product is where I Absolutely. see Absolutely. And there's so much more to it. I mean, it's a real science, whether oh, it's beer or cider or anything else. So, and that leads me to the final question. So what legacy or how would you like to be remembered? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I want to be remembered as um, a person that, it sounds a little cliche, didn't stop, a person that never stopped believing in, you know, oneself, you know, someone yes. that just, you know, even with hurdles, whether it's, you know, allergies or, you know, if someone has like mental, you know, mental disabilities or you know, emotional disabilities or whatever hardships or obstacles or hurdles or differences. I want someone to say, you know what, she, she never stopped doing what she loved. She, you know, encouraged other people and inspired other people to really pursue what they wanted, even if it wasn't beer or cider. That's yeah. the legacy I want to leave. I want people to look at that and my story and tell, you know, and, and think and know that nothing is impossible. Amazing. Well, if people would like to get in contact or uh, follow you, what are the best platforms to do so? Sure. So they can follow me on Instagram at the brew babe, um, or they can visit my website, theoutcask.com. And lastly, they can um, visit my Patreon account. It's just patreon.com slash the brew babe. And on there, like I said, you, there's different tiers for, you know, whether you're an amateur brewer, cider maker, you want to learn more about branding for your business, or you just want to support everything that I do for the industry, you know, you could check that out there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for joining me today. And uh, hopefully we can have you back in the future uh, to see where your journey's taken you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.